This is Creepy and Geeky. Welcome to Creepy and Geeky, the double feature podcast of horror and more. I'm your host, Robert, and today is part one in a four-part look at the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. On this episode, Cat Hughes returns to the show to talk about the original Nightmare on Elm Street and the 2010 remake. Cat is a freelance film critic who writes for THN, Ghouls Magazine, Film Stories, and Film Hounds, and she's the host of the new podcast, Movies with Mummy, where she talks kids' movies with her daughter, Aurora. Welcome back to the show, Kat. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, always good to have you on. Yes, and uh, thank you for the for the plug for the podcast. That's much appreciated. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, you, you you hadn't added it to the uh, to the intro bit uh, for the thing, and I was like, oh, I really want to plug that because uh, it's very cute. Uh, you know, as, yeah. as somebody who has a two year old grandson, uh, it's a uh, it's 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 a, a, a neat idea that uh, really kind of plays well. I like it. It's cute. Yeah, it's all it's all her idea. She <laughs> obviously there's lots of times where it's like mummy's going to you know mummy's going away for a little bit. You know where are you going? Oh, I'm going to do a podcast. And then she was like, "Can we do a podcast?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure. Um, we can give it a go." And yeah, so we just sit and chat about whatever film or TV show she wants to for about five, ten minutes. And that's the show. It's very chaotic, but she's really <laughs> she's really enjoying doing it. And she's really enjoying like telling people that she's doing it. So she's she has set her sight on doing interviews, though, which uh, <laughs> I'm not quite sure we're ready for yet. Well, it, it it sounds fun. I listened to um, the Bluey one, of course. I I, I uh, tweeted retweeted that one because uh, I'm a big fan of the Bluey show. I watch it with my grandson uh, pretty much every day, and uh, and he he loves it as well. So it's a it was a cute it was a cute episode. Yes, she. Uh, yeah, we we like we like Bluey in our house as well. It was sort of something that we <laughs> me and my husband liked before her and we were sort of encouraging her to get into it but now yeah bluey is just on if she's not watching a film then we are watching bluey but she gets very (laughs) particular about which episodes so we can't just like stick it on and just have them play it has to be like now i want to watch this one and now i want to watch this one and now i want to watch this (laughs) one so so there's lots of like constantly being at the remote control curating her own bluey order yeah, that's something that I find frustrating with the streamers uh, currently is that you can't create a playlist of episodes like that would be the best thing if you can create a playlist of episodes so you could pick and choose which ones you really want to watch. Uh, that, that would yeah, be the I, best thing. I don't know if it's the same in America, but our Disney Plus over here, it'll it'll play something like The Mandalorian and then it'll go straight into the next episode. But when it comes to Bluey, yeah. it will play one episode and then it just stops. So you have to kind of have to keep going back every five or so minutes. Whereas <laughs> the other format that it's available on the, the BBC iPlayer over here, you press play and it will just play through like all like 10, 15 episodes or whatever that it's, it's got on there until the end. And that's so much easier because I can go and do the washing up or whatever and not yeah. have to keep running in to put on another episode or put on a, a specific episode. Yeah. On our on our Disney Plus, it 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 will continue episode after episode. It'll just go into the next one. Uh, but every once in a while, it'll like I guess not do it, and then it'll just stop. And I have to keep doing it every time like that. But most of the time, it actually does it uh, uh, one right after the other, which is nice <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Well, that being said, uh, let's go ahead and jump into uh, uh, this episode. And we're talking, like I said at the top, we're talking Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, the original and the remake. And we're just going to go ahead and uh, start with the original, of course, uh, which is uh, the the best one. Uh, <laughs> so um, this one uh, came out in 1984, directed by uh, Wes Craven, written and directed by Wes Craven, um, based on uh, 
dreams and dream research that he did um, about uh, basically, you know, a dream demon. So uh, we're introduced to uh, uh, Nancy Thompson, uh, arguably one of the best final girls uh, of all time. And, uh, you know, when did you uh, first see this? So Nightmare on Elm Street came out the year I was born. So okay. it was it was a few years after release. I think <laughs> it was as much as I saw the Alien series and the Predator films and the Terminator films when I was aged between like six and eight, my mum kept Nightmare back from me this she was she was quite happy with like sci-fi horror but when it came to horror horror she was a little bit more i'm not sure if you should be watching so i think i probably stumbled upon it when i was an early teenager maybe like 12 13 and it was obviously this big thing and freddie was this big pop culture icon so it was watching the film that started it and of all of the films of the ilk, like the, the first Halloween and the first Friday the 13th and such, this was the one that genuinely terrified me. I've never been the best sleeper. So to then be confronted with something that could hurt me when I was asleep was just really terrifying. And it didn't help that not long after I first watched it, I think one of my cats got into my bed and like shredded my bedding and I just woke up one morning and there was claw marks like ripped that had ripped up oh, my bed no. sheet. So that didn't help. So yeah, I of all of like the big the the big horror icons, Freddie was the one that I think scared me the most. And then I was less into watching other films in the series for a number of years because of that reason. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, that would that would definitely do a number on you. Um, yeah, I was I was around ten when this came out. Um, and so I, I know I didn't see it in theaters. I'm sure I saw it on cable or video sometime afterward. Um, and uh, you know, Freddie became like I don't arguably the biggest horror icon, uh, pretty much of the eighties. Um. And it's, you know, it kind of starts here, but it kind of gains steam um, through the later um, installments. Uh, but it's, you know, I would say during that time period, I, like you know, most people, um, really gravitated towards, um, you know, just the, the the comedy aspect, which isn't really here in this movie. There's a, there's a little bit of it, but he doesn't get a lot of screen time. You know, which I, I found interesting because even when watching the rest of the series, as much as he gets more screen time in the later installments, it's still very light um, for somebody who's until you get the, the you know last couple of them. Um, but it's 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 interesting for a character like this um, to become such a huge icon that he has so little screen time. So it just speaks to the, you know, the the kind of the overall scariness of the of of a of a character like this somebody who can attack you in your dreams when you're at your most vulnerable um and, and can do things uh to you in your dreams that you can't uh control so yeah he's definitely got as sort of out there a, an entity as it is you know a, a dream demon if feels in a strange way more plausible than some of some of the other big big killers who who are out there because if you want to avoid Michael Myers you just stay in on Halloween if you want to <laughs> avoid Jason maybe don't go to summer camp but right. everybody has to sleep yes. and it's it's that fear of what if I go to sleep and I, I don't wake up? It, it it really does sort of mess. Cause I think that the inspiration was um, there was some men who this was happening to, they were going to sleep and they weren't waking yeah. up. And that was one of the, the early Genesis of the, of the idea. And, you know, they, we have no control over, we have to sleep. Our brains need sleep to be able to function. Right. 
Yeah. And, you know, if, if you're not sleeping, your body will just make you sleep. It, it's it's actually it's it's actually kind of, you know, jumping a little bit ahead in the remake. They kind of talk about that a little bit more and kind of get a, a little deeper into it and talking about micro naps and and stuff where your brain just will your bo- brain and body will shut down and start forcing you to sleep, even if it's little bits here and there. Um, and you kind of get that through the series. They don't really talk about it, but you do kind of get that even in this one where um, Nancy falls in and out of sleep. You know, the longer she's forcing herself to stay awake, uh, the more uh, she's come, going in and out and your know, reality and the dream world blur a lot more. So, which I found, uh, you know, a fascinating, uh, you know, take on, uh, on all this because, you know, it's, you know, how can you tell reality from fantasy when you're, you're so tired like that? Cause I bet like, don't get me wrong. I've been up. I've never stayed up for like 72 hours or anything, but like, you know, when you're going on, you know, over 24 hours, your body is, is, you know, you're getting sluggish. You're, you just feel just tired and just out of sorts. You feel foggy in your brain. So I can see where, you know, if you've got something stalking you in your dreams, then, you know, that's going to make things a whole hell of a lot worse. So. Yeah, I mean, I do, having had, having got a four-year-old, I do sort of think that maybe <laughs> what the teens should be doing instead of like mainlining coffee, as as they all seem to do, is they, they should just like offer to go and look after like a toddler for, for a couple of nights because they're probably not going to get any sleep then, be it the kids constantly calling them or in our case uh, I get lots of nocturnal visits um, and then <laughs> therefore no space in the bed but they are a great way to keep yourself up but I think <laughs> going through that the last few years it does help identify with Nancy obviously teens watch this film and it was like oh there's a scary guy and he's coming after teenagers but then as an adult, when you have got a child to look after, or even like prior to my child, a very needy pet who won't let you yeah. sleep, you can put yourself into the shoes of, of Nancy and go, oh my God, like I'm kept awake and I want to sleep, but she's kind of the opposite. It's like she needs, like she wants to sleep. She could sleep, but if she sleeps, she's in, she's in peril. So it's... It's again, it's that thing that you can put yourself in their shoes a little bit more than some of the other ones. You know, I've I've never touched wood. None of Aurora's dolls have spontaneously come to life without any batteries in them. So (laughs) Uh, I've definitely had um, some dolls uh, that weren't supposed to make noises, making noises when they weren't supposed to be. So, yeah. that can be a little scary, especially in the middle of the night. <laughs> we used to have, when my son was little, he used to have this big bird um, um, that would talk when you like squeezed its belly or squeezed its feet or something. And it, uh, in the middle of the night, randomly, nobody was awake at all. It just started talking. And we were just like, yeah, nope. <laughs> Took the batteries nope. out, threw it in the closet. <laughs> it was like, nope, we're done. So. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a big note. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I, but I, I I do think that there is something weirdly tangible about Freddy Krueger and dreams because we don't understand our dreams. You know, there's right. plenty of you know psychoanalysis and things that have tried to interpret and analyze dreams, but we don't we don't know why they happen. It's obviously our brain piecing together the day and it anxieties come out through them but we know so little about how the brain works that why not have something some entity able to be in there i mean bad dreams you know they come from somewhere yeah 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 um yeah dreams in general like you know they still and then that's what's interesting is that even still to this day like you know scientists nobody nobody really knows what dreams like the functions of dreams and you know i mean we all they they have theories you know about you know just reconciling the day or whatever 
Um, but you know, as, and, and that's, what's interesting for me is like, as somebody like, I know I dream cause I'll have vague like feelings that I dream dream, but I never really remember my dreams. Um, I'm not one of those kinds of people who, Oh, I woke up and had this crazy dream. I'll just wake up and go, okay, I had some kind of dream. I, re- I kind of vaguely remember dreaming about something, but so it would be, Freddie would have a hard time with me because <laughs> I don't remember, I don't remember dreaming. So that it would be definitely, definitely a different thing for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the fact that they haven't had any of those sorts of victims, have they, in, in any of the films where there was just, you know, some victim that he just couldn't reach because yeah. the brain wasn't as engaged in the dream to remember. Like he's just tormenting this person night after night and they're waking up absolutely fine. Like, yeah. No, yeah, I don't remember what I dreamt about last night. Um, <laughs> but I am a lucid dreamer, so okay. I'm I, I'm such a light sleeper that even when I'm asleep, I know I'm asleep, and therefore, yeah. um, I'd be aware if I'm dreaming, particularly in a bad dream, and I can think my way out of it. So I I feel like I I might be. I think I might be okay against against Freddy, given yeah. that. So be like, well, no, I'm not going to go down that corridor. I'm going <laughs> to go over this way and like have a party. One thing that uh, I, I think is interesting about the series in general is that for a for a series that exists in dreams, we don't get a lot of fantastical imagery. Um, you get it here and there, um, but by and large it's very grounded um, in the earthly plane, I would say, Um, you know, lots of boiler rooms, of course, Um, you know, lots of just, you know, stalking them in their own, like, you know, keeping the dream world as close to the real world as possible, I think to blur that line. So they don't realize they're in the dream until it's too late, which I totally understand. But, you know, at a certain point, I, I, I always hope that they would, you know, branch out into, you know, just, you know, lots of, you know, weirdness because, you know, dreams can be very weird. And so we don't really seem to get that in the in these movies at all, uh, which I found to be uh, uh, interesting uh, that they haven't tried to do something like that yet. Yeah, particularly the the first film, it is, as yeah. you say, very much what is real what isn't you know are they in the school awake or are they in the school asleep but I mean I know that a lot of a lot of my dreams can be quite mundane I've lost track of the amount of times that in a dream I have been back at a previous job working a shift I have (laughs) lost you know if I could get money for all of the like shifts I've done time you've been working yeah (laughs) (laughs) but like my old local cinema and my when I used to work at blockbusters that I've done you know in in my dreams um I would be a very a very wealthy person so I kind of like that it does get too fantastical especially in the early one because especially the 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 dream in the school I think that right. one really lands because you think, oh, she's just, you know, she's just in class. Yeah, they listen to the teacher and then there's the strange things in the book. And then she sort of goes out and then the next thing she's screaming at her desk. I quite I quite like them being able to manifest those scares from the fact that you didn't, just like Nancy, you didn't realise that that one was a dream yet. Right. Yeah. No, I can... I, I I see why they kept it like that. Like I said, I, I, I you know, going into it and once they, you know, that, that, that was my only thing was like, once they know it's a dream, once they're in the dream and understand what's going on, you know, that's when they should, you know, topsy turvy it. But, you know, I get why, you know, for sure you want to blend that reality uh, to, you know, keep them, you know, off kilter for as long as possible. So. I do like that aspect of it. So let's talk about Nancy herself. Like I said uh, before, I think she's one of the best uh, final girls um, of all time uh, because she doesn't, she's not like some of the final girls who just kind of run screaming and kind of just kind of blunder their way into a win. Um, You know, she's proactive. She's, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. She's trying to figure out who this person is um, and how to stop him. And eventually she does figure it out and 
um, you know, sets the booby traps and and everything. She's you know, um, she's doing the whole Home Alone thing before Home Alone, um, <laughs> and uh, and and you know, like I said, she's successful. She, you know, she she beats Freddy in the end. So I think I think that you know, it's like I said, she's one of the most capable uh, final girls uh, in in any series. Yeah, and I think that she's also one of the more down-to-earth. I think, uh, again, around that time, a lot of the final girls had to be the really stuffy, bookish ones. And whilst Nancy is more reserved and, I guess, sort of like a PG, PG-13 than, than Tina, right? she still goes around to her friend's house where there's boys and hasn't told her parents and right. there's there is still that sort of rebellious streak to her she didn't have to be the stuffy goody two shoes and then add to that she's got all of this family drama going on as well with yeah. with her parents and then this this secret and yeah she's quite a a bolshy final girl i like the attitude and she's instantly all about saving her friends she's trying to save those around her you know she's telling them right. that don't fall asleep and yeah she's got the plan and she puts it into action she just needs a little bit of help which right which she doesn't, nobody's she doesn't, giving her yeah she doesn't get because nobody else can stay awake <laughs> nobody believes but, her yeah. yeah well and then like even her friends who are going through this they don't fully believe her they're like yes there's somebody in my dreams and everything like that but you know they're just dreams it's okay you know and yeah, we're like, all no, dreaming dude, about die. the same person <laughs> we're <all> dreaming <laughs> about the same person who we've all named with the same you know we've all given exactly the same description of this man called like freddie but right. nah it there's nothing to this i'm sorry if my <laughs> friends if we realized that we were dreaming about the same random stranger that we'd never interacted with before, I think I'd be yeah. uh, a little bit more concerned than they seem <laughs> right. to be. Yeah, exactly. So, and then that brings up, like you said, this, this, this past um, from the parents, you know, this is a movie about, you know, that, you know, some would say the sins of the parents being revisited on the children, but I mean, you know, ultimately, you know, it's it's the parents who tried to do something good. Um, and, you know, because the storyline is, is that Freddie was a child killer. Um, uh, he murdered children and got uh, arrested, taken to trial and was uh, let off on a technicality. And so then the parents take revenge on him, follow him to his the factory that he worked at and uh, burned him alive um and killed him and then freddy comes back as this new demonic dream demon entity and is now killing uh, their children um something that was interesting that um upon what little research i did was that um you know there is uh there was that the all all of these kids who are being attacked now um like there was the i guess a part portion of the storyline that was taken out was that they all had older siblings um that were the ones who were his original victims um oh. and that's why all their parents uh were the ones who uh were the ones who killed freddie so it, it was an interesting little wrinkle to that, that they all actually had older siblings that they didn't know about yeah, that is interesting, and it, it it I guess goes to some way to explain how overprotective some of those parents are on yeah the children in this in this film because some of them do leap quite quickly to boarding windows up. Uh, yeah. yeah, 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 and it's interesting too because like it's with you know with nancy's mom when she tells her the story that you know it was her that killed freddie you know that you know her and her dad or whatever were the ones who you know le were leading the charge on that so it's like 
you know, without, you know, why would these parents that didn't have children who were possibly killed before, you know, why would they be the ones to, you know, be leading the charge for this? And so it would make sense that they all had older siblings that had been killed by him. It's, uh, it's interesting, you know, and then it, you know, that's, you know, when Freddie comes back for Nancy and her friends, it's because they're the last, you know, they're some of the last of the, you know, children of Elm Street, the, the, the other children that he had yet to get to. Um, so, so it's a, it's a, it's an interesting, you know, mythology that they create in, in this one, um, that flows into the, into the later installments. So, but, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it definitely set the, the foundation for further exploration. Obviously some of the sequels go off in, in weird and, and wild <laughs> directions, but there's enough in this original that other films throughout the series do go back to it. Obviously the, the third film is in a way right. is sort of a semi-direct sequel and then even new nightmare which takes a step outside of mm-hmm. of the story there's elements and like freddy freddy versus jason links quite nicely into yes. into the original as well so it is as a testament to the, the the writing talent of wes craven that there was enough in there that could produce this franchise yeah no it's it's and and freddy versus jason i've I've mentioned this before on the podcast that freddy versus jason is a very good um distillation of um both characters and their mythologies in ways that um that some of their respective at least with freddy's stuff um you know a lot of that gets deviated um a bit uh but freddie versus jason does a really good job of tying it back um to all of that and, and and cleaning up some of that nicely so um that was a episode that you and i talked about so <laughs> yes yes Freddy so, versus jason. always have time for freddie versus jason such a good movie such a good part of the franchise um you know, but uh, you know, we we get uh with this one, you know, you know, like I said before, Nancy Nancy beats him in the end, uh, not before losing all of her friends, um, and uh, including uh, a little baby Johnny Depp, um, <laughs> in his first film role, uh, which was interesting because he does come back uh, later in uh, what was it number six, um, and uh, apparently Wes Craven wanted to get him back for a uh, new nightmare um but uh uh he he didn't he wasn't comfortable i guess asking him i guess he was a little uh didn't think johnny depp would accept um coming back uh but i guess they later on talked about it and uh they met at some point and talked about it and johnny depp would have been like yeah i i would have come back right away so it would have been an interesting concept to have him in uh, a new nightmare also so uh, but yeah, it's a uh, it, it. This is this is a really good movie. It's it's probably for me the strongest of the franchise. Um, it sets a lot of things up um, that uh, other movies later will uh, pick up and expand on. Um, you know, uh, or or you know, totally forget otherwise. Uh, just depending on the movies. But I would say that you know, um. You know, Friday uh, the the not Friday the Nightmare on Elm Street series as a whole is fairly consistent. There's some you know glitches here and there, but they try to keep an internal consistency to uh, the overall logic, which you know some series don't. So it's nice to see that uh, that consistency through through most of it, at least. Yeah, we've definitely prior to my daughter being born, we definitely did a day or a weekend where we went through all of the nightmare films and there is enough similarities to carry it through. Whereas recently I've done a, a rewatch of all of the the Friday films and they are all over the place. So yeah, there (laughs) is consistency. Part of that is obviously that they've got, they had Robert Englund there 
yes throughout sort of guiding even when Wes wasn't there they they had Robert there to to help steer the ship and guide the character slightly but yeah it's it's a very so there are some wobbly wobbly moments in most of them but yeah it's a very consistent franchise in terms of its its lore and its mythology and even when it sort of reaches it still makes sense in an odd way well that takes us to uh the remake uh in 2010 they decided to because it had been since uh 1994 was the last time they'd ever uh done anything you know directly with the franchise with uh, a new nightmare um i guess we could say 2003 we had uh, freddy versus jason um but uh so in 2010 they decided hey let's remake it let's kind of um do something where we're going to make it you know go back to the basics you know make it scary because over time freddy had started to become jokey and a lot of people um i guess over time didn't really like that um which is fine i i, I get it um you know it it, it made it kind of silly at times but um so they decided to go with this darker uh storyline um taking the the bones of what was number one it, it's not a straight remake um a lot of the characters have been changed there is a nancy but her name's nancy holbrook and not nancy thompson in this um it's and and there's some scenes here and there where they um do similar things um but they aren't direct i would i wouldn't say that any of the scenes in this are direct um recreations so they did they did attempt to try to make it something of their own um and you know i'm i'm going to be one of the few people in the world that apparently you know, was okay with most of this movie uh, there's one glaring aspect of this movie that really undermines the entire thing for me. But I think if they took that one thing out, it would be a much better and stronger movie. And we'd be talking more about, you know, sequels to this series, I think, if they had been able to do it right. So um, what, do, what do you think about this, uh, this series or this movie as a whole? I am a nightmare remake apologist i think is the term that's banded around these days i i had a lot of fun with it obviously i didn't get to see any of the original series um in the cinema i think freddy versus jason would have been my my first freddy film in a cinema so i was excited to get to see a nightmare film in the cinema and for the most part it it worked for me yeah it for me it loses its way in maybe the last half an hour 40 minutes um and the more i watch it the more that that sequence that 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 part of the film sort of drags for me but the like the opening half an hour or so i don't have any problems with i liked right how they kept elements from the original but they subverted them i they give a lot of scenes that were Nancy's in the original to um, to Chris, to the the best friend character played by yeah, Katie Cassidy. Yeah. And I thought that was a, a great way to give that character a bit more substance and to make you care a bit more about her than you perhaps do in the original. She's you kind of you've met her once or twice and then she has this epic death, don't get me wrong, in the original. It's one of like the most iconic deaths in, in horror history. But right. you don't really feel for her, whereas I feel in this one, you spent that time living with that character. So you do feel a little bit more upset when she goes, especially as you know how she is going to go. No, I agree. I think that's what it is an interesting aspect of the movie that we kind of follow along with Katie Cassidy's uh, character through, you know, the beginning, we, you know, she's almost, it's almost kind of a psycho-esque um, mm. subversion where you think she's the main character uh, that yes, we see Nancy as a character, but she's kind of a side character at that point. Um, you know, we're just getting Katie Cassidy's, you know, you know, we're going along with her storyline. So it's like, okay, so we're going with something different here. Um, and then, you know, she dies and then it switches over to Nancy. And 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 I would argue that um, Rooney Mara and 
uh, Kyle Gallner share the spotlight uh, after that point. It's not really Nancy's story. It's both of their stories uh, together. They kind of co-lead the rest of the movie together. So, which is, you know, kind of nice, especially, you know, Kyle Gallner being like this, you know, this is one of his early horror roles. And, you know, this is, you know, he's, he's arguably one of the uh, uh, better, more like more consistent uh, horror uh, actors these days. So it's nice to see him. Yeah, uh, definitely. Putting down his roots in this movie. Yeah. I mean, I think he has top billing. If I remember correctly, it's him know. and then Rooney. I guess I so. probably this because is Rooney's he first was movie. I think too. Yeah. So although she's one of the main characters, he was the the bigger star, having come off of a haunting in Connecticut and um, a Veronica guest in Mars. on Smallville. Um, he would have been the the more prominent prominent name. Um, yeah. But this the whole cast um, as a a fan of many a CW show. (laughs) Um, There's a lot of, a lot of talent from there. I mean, opening with Kellen Lutz, who was just out of the, the twilight machine by then and plunking him straight into this nightmare in this rundown cafe. And it's, it's, it's a confronting opening because. Oh Yeah. It's he, he's obviously he's been he's like the first in this group and he's been awake for days and he's he's mainlining the coffee and but he's starting to fall asleep and you know, he has a an incident where he he he's dreaming and he's in the kitchen and he he gets cut with a knife and then he kind of realizes if I you know he's made that connection already that oh crap if something happens in my dream I'm going to get hurt and then in the middle of this cafe in front of several of his friends, Freddie kills him, but Freddie kills him in such a way that it looks like he has has taken his, his own life. And it's such a strong, a strong opener, which I guess they're going for the strong opening that there was in the original, which comes later in the remake, but it works at showing that it, it is something different. Definitely. Yeah. It just, you know, it's, it's funny too. Cause I, I talk about this, um, uh, talked about this in the, uh, the Friday, the 13th, uh, uh series of episodes about how we have in the eighties, you know, the eighties is supposed to be known for, you know, all the gore and violence and everything that, you know, we, we had the video nasties, uh, over there in the UK and everything that it was such a big deal that, like you know and looking back on it they're fairly tame consider you know compared to stuff like this that was in the early 2000s which really upped the game in terms of gore and and, and everything and that nastiness um you know i would argue that a lot of these movies uh, uh done by platinum dunes you know the nightmare remake the friday the 13th remake a lot of these were so much more violent and and gory than what we'd seen in the eighties. So it was, it was definitely, you know, it, it, you know, comparing these two movies together, you know, just shows that level of, you know, how far we've come in terms of that uh, acceptance in, in our, in our horror movies. Yeah, definitely. And we see other cast, you've got Thomas Decker, who Mm -hmm. is always great in, in whatever, he does, and then the parents. You've got you've got Clancy Brown as yes. You know, I mean, how can you not love Clancy Brown when he's in <laughs> anything? You know, right? Yeah, Clancy Brown, Connie Britton. Yeah, it's 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 a great cast. It's a really really fun, uh, interesting cast, and I would say. That you know, we get we get a new Freddie too with uh, Jackie O'Haley, who does a really good job, I would say overall. Um, you know, and the makeup effects on this one, you know, definitely make him look in a lot of ways creepier, um, and more uh, burned uh, than you know, than what you would than what we really had with uh, Freddie. Yeah, I think the main reason why this film wasn't received as well 
as it could have been was people weren't willing to accept anybody else at Freddie. See, Robert Englund had played the part for so many years and then you know, even now still does conventions where he will do a shoot in the Freddie makeup or he will have the Freddie glove even if he's not right. in the makeup. He's so synonymous with that character that then whoever they put in that role was going to be met with hostility for just right. not being Robert Englund. And I think that was the big problem. And then sort of moving on from that was the fact that they are trying to make Freddy scary again. In the first Nightmare film, I say he terrified me, the fact that this thing was just lurking in your dreams. As right. the series went on, he became more of a joke and almost like a like the Bart Simpson of horror. He was, you know, the <laughs> you know, yeah. the 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 cool kid with all the quips. But this yeah made him scary again and I don't think people were ready for that that's not what they that's not what they were wanting and I feel that that is one of the main reasons why so many people say that it's terrible right no I can see that for sure I know that that got a lot of um press back in the day that a lot of fans were just like not happy with changing that and you know Robert England himself said that you know, he liked uh, his uh, that he liked Jackie O'Haley's performance um, and thought he was a good uh, uh, continuation on that, uh, a good replacement. Uh, he my problem isn't necessarily with that. It's the change in the story and the change in his uh, backstory. Um, yeah. That is what uh, ruins the movie and keeps it from being better than it is for me, uh, being that. In the in the original conception of the story, Wes Craven um, had uh, considered making him a child molester and killer, um, but they changed it to just being a child killer. Um, and then in this in this version, uh, they just went for straight up child molester. He didn't actually kill any of the kids; he just molested them, and that made it just that just gave it a gross feeling. Um, yeah that um that just kind of ruined it for me especially in the end when he's taunting nancy and just the like the 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 things he's saying just were just gross um and it just it takes you out of the the movie and take and just makes it just a whole different level that i think that if they had just made him a child killer you know then you know we can make that separation um, and 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 keep it in the way that it was. And I think that losing some of the humor did hurt it in a way too, because I think that you can you can balance some very dark humor into that, um, and make it a, a, a just a tad bit more fun. Um, and and it kind of edges into that. There's you know things where he does make some jokes or you know says a couple of funny funny lines right here where he's taunting them, um, through through the movie but it's it's you know just not enough i felt that like if they had tipped over into the comedy just a little bit more not a whole lot but just a little bit more and taken out the child molester angle i think that it could have worked so much better and it would have been a much more successful movie i think we would have had a lot more people looking back on it and going sure it's not robert england but it's still a good movie on its own and i think that you know um for me that you know, it's just that little bit that keeps it from being good. Yeah, the the switch to the the child molester is it does leave a bad taste, especially when within the narrative you've got Quentin and Nancy almost apologizing to him. Yes, because they're like, we were only kids; we didn't know what we were saying, and as if perhaps. Freddie hadn't done anything and that the children had had made it up. There's there's a whole chunk of the story which is based mm-hmm. around that where they, they think, oh no, this wouldn't have happened to us. We were kids, we would have said something and our parents took it out of control and oh my God, look what they did to this poor man. And then during the final act, it's revealed that no, it was, it was true. He was doing those things. But you spent so much of the film kind of, 
backpedaling and trying to make make Freddy the victim, that I think that's where the the real ick comes from. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's just it 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 could have been just that much better of a movie without that angle in it if they'd taken that out and just made it like the original series uh, in that way still make the changes that you made uh to the you know d- you know twisting the scenes um making Katie Cassidy you know seem like she's the main character and everything else i think it would have been so much a better movie um but just because of that angle yeah like you said making them almost apologize to him and you know it just yeah it takes it takes it in weird directions uh that just makes it gross and not comfortable uh especially there at the end um but it does it does have obviously some some more positive yeah. moments they say where they're they're doing the research into yeah. into the dreams and they realize that his victims aren't like the kids of elm street they're the kids from this preschool that they were all at together and Nancy's there sort of researching into to all of them and she's finding all these stories that they've all of these kids have met horrific deaths and then she finds this video of one of the victims who who knows I think that's a great sequence um where in just a couple of minutes you instantly feel for the character in that video yeah yeah definitely yeah, I think I think it's an it, there, there's lots of interesting little bits uh, to it. I think you know he mentions um you know and, and I talked about this a little bit earlier. He he mentions the uh, the concept of the micronaps when uh, uh, Nancy and uh, Kyle Gallner's character are talking to each other. Uh, he'd been researching all that, and you know he we see this later on. He's trying to get his prescription for his ADHD meds that are you know keeping him awake. Um, and she's in the store and she starts um, micro napping. And mm. so there's this sequence where reality and the dream world are colliding back and forth. And it's a it's a really fascinating sequence um, that I think is really well done. Yeah, and I like how they they do play with different methods of staying awake as well. You know, this is obviously, it's a remake, but this is coming after everything in the franchise. So they're not just drinking coffee. They are taking prescription medication to help them. And then eventually they move into taking shots of adrenaline to keep themselves awake. I like how it progressed from that because just drinking coffee to stay awake. I mean, I'm not, I'm caffeine free and have been for a number of years, but Coffee always made me sleepy. I I know it goes it goes completely against what it's supposed to do, but if I had a cup of coffee, I'd need a nap afterwards. So it was nice that it, it does show these other desperate measures that they're going to to keep themselves awake. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's 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 definitely it's one of those things where when you and this is why that I I'm not a hater on remakes that i think that if you can remake something that's you know given enough time like i don't want to remake you know several years after something's made but you know something given you know 10 20 30 years later you can remake something and put modern sensibility modern information into it uh then you can uh then you change the narrative in, in 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 lots of ways. You can update it in ways that the original just couldn't. And I I I enjoy that aspect of things because there's always so many things where you know you you look back on a movie that's you know a classic and yeah it's great and everything like that. But we don't have you know we have other ways of staying awake now other than coffee. Yeah. You know you know and they had that at the time too. Like they had the 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 no dose pills and stuff. But like, you know, we have those, you know, more than just those two things, you know, we've got sodas, we've got, like you said, adrenaline, other prescription drugs that'll keep you wired and awake and everything. And so there's so many other things now that, you know, that we didn't consider back in the day um, that it's just, it's a fun, uh, 
ad- addition to it and and more research into dream dreaming and sleeping and you know the the consequences of not being able to sleep and all this uh in- information that wasn't presented in any of the earlier movies so that that aspect is really fun and you know like i said other than the one aspect of the movie i feel like this movie is actually really good like i said the performances are really good um the the storyline is generally mostly good um and i think that jackie earl haley does a a a very good job at being freddie i think that if they do a new one at some point you know definitely keep keep it to child killer um and i would i would argue go back to you know kind of going into this dream demon aspect that you know we learn about that they kind of they they don't really talk about in in either this remake or in or in the original it's something that comes out through uh the rest of the series um but i i like that dream demon aspect of of something you know either you know taking the form of this person of freddie um the this you know collective nightmare this this community has or something combining with Freddy. And so I think that's a that's an interesting aspect that I think that any any future installment should uh you know, take advantage of. Yeah, one thing that I I do like about Freddy and I think it's the thing that makes him really scary in the remake is when it's revealed that he was never trying to hurt Nancy previously in the dreams. Right. He was just trying to make her afraid so that she would stay awake long enough that when she fell asleep, she would be oh, it'd be really difficult to wake her up. I thought yeah. that that was a really clever reveal, which goes to explain away some of... It's the niggles that people have with other films in the franchise. It's like, well, how come Freddie can kind of instantly get this person or, you know, visits them a couple of times, but it is, you know, or it's like, if they're that, why aren't they waking up? It does go some way to explain the motive and intention behind that. So it's not near misses. It's all been building to this other plan where you're then so tired that he has free reign because you can't fight back. You've got, no energy left yeah yeah no that is a that is a good good point yeah i i lo- I, I do enjoy that aspect of it i i'd forgotten about that yeah that's that's really cool all right um is there anything that uh, uh we didn't mention about either one of these uh that you would like to mention no i mean we've 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 touched upon um kyle but just this yes. is he is one of the the modern sort of, I guess, scream kings. You know, we've yes. got the scream queens. He is one of the the modern scream kings, and I kind of feel that he gets a lot of people assume that he dies more than he does. Um, yeah. And I kind of feel that when you remember back to this film, you just assume that he dies because you know that in Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, it was a final girl. But here we have. Quentin sort of surviving and maybe getting a date out of it you know it's <laughs> <laughs> right it's it, it it's you know it's just worth mentioning that you know he does he does survive quite a lot and that's good here and that male energy is is interesting because obviously the sequel focused on a a male protagonist and yes. in the straight this has sort of brought both of them into the mix from from day dot and it would have been interesting to see where f- further films would have gone would they have stuck with with these two with one of them would it have gone off in a completely you know different different group so yeah it's a shame we didn't get more because i feel that the performances were there yeah, I I agree. I think that you know it's it's this this could have been a good start to, the, to an a, a new updated franchise, um, with it. Um, I I understand why it didn't, uh, but yeah, definitely the performances. Uh, Kyle Gallner is great in this, uh, as he is in uh, pretty much everything I've seen him in, uh, so far. 
So it's uh you know like you said he's definitely a, a scream king. He's and he, and he's one of those actors that I really enjoy. Um, the fact that he is a big proponent of horror. Um, mm. he he's an actor who continues to go back to the genre, um, and sings its praises. And I love that uh, when actors are like that and really um, hype up that they'll go off and do other things and you know, do do the other movies, but they come back to horror um, and horror is their home. And so uh, it's always it's always nice to see that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, last year he was he was in Smile and yes. Scream and uh, he's got another couple of sort of genre adjacent titles coming out i think um mother may i is out in the states pretty soon and that's a freudian thriller with some some horror elements so yeah he's definitely an actor like you say that returns to this genre that helped build his career because it was really jennifer's body haunting in connecticut and in a strange way this remake that helped get him on the map and led him to some of his his more indie projects that are perhaps closer to his heart but he always returns to to horror he's not a snob i think some people who start off in horror become snobs against horror yes Um, yeah Definitely. Obviously, Johnny Johnny Depp obviously started in the original Nightmare, and yeah, he came back and did a cameo. But there was a reason why Wes Craven was reluctant to ask him about yeah. a new Nightmare, and I imagine some of that was: is he going to be too? Is he going to be one of these pretentious people that you know did a horror and got a profile and has now disappeared? Like Renee Zellweger, one of her earlier films oh, yeah. was was horror and she has since made a, a career in the drama and rom-com arena i'm not quite sure how up for a return to a texas chainsaw film she would she would be at this stage in her career right yeah yeah no i think that's a, that's interesting you know that's it's always interesting to see people who go off i mean even you know Jamie Lee Curtis, and I mentioned this, uh, you know, in in my Halloween series, that Jamie Lee Curtis herself, you know, she's somebody who started off very strongly in the uh, the horror genre, but then transitioned out of it, and you know, dips her toes back in. But it's, but I always feel like it's for the paycheck. It's never for the love of horror. Um, she does it because you know she's going to get paid to be Laurie Strode again, and you know it's sure she enjoys playing that character but you don't see her doing much horror out, outside of that anymore she's very much you know staying away from that and so it's it's always nice to see somebody like Kyle Garner or um you know in, any of these other actors you know and actresses Barbara Crampton Phyllis Rose you know all these people who've made horror their life and who constantly uh champion it and and go back to it and you know, really try to show that it's it's a great format uh to be a, somebody like tony collette you know tony collette plays both sides of that you know she mm. she goes and does the dramas and the comedies and stuff like that but comes back to horror uh because horror is like like a home to her you know and so it's always nice to see somebody like her come back and, and be a strong uh proponent for that as well so definitely definitely um enjoy that aspect uh when when actors do that All right. Uh, well, why don't we let people know where they can find you online? Yeah. So uh, I personally am at Gizmo Shikari on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd. There's links to all of my writing. And should anybody want to listen to uh, the chaos that is me and my four-year-old trying to talk about a film for five minutes, um, we are at Movies with Mummy on Twitter and at Movies with Mummy Pod on Instagram. Right. Yeah, definitely go check uh, that out. Uh, it's a fun uh, little chaotic podcast. Uh, and, you know, it's it's like she said, it's like five minutes. So you, you can give up five minutes of your day for that. <laughs> so. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's always uh, it's always an enjoyable time. Thanks again to Kat for joining me. Next episode, 
coming this Friday, Donna from the Dawn of the Dead podcast joins me to talk about Iron Man in the first episode in a new ongoing series on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And on Monday, Donna is back to talk about Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, and A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Thanks for listening. If you like what you've heard, please consider giving the show five stars and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Also, please share the podcast on social media to help spread the word. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or at creepyandgeeky.com. Music for the podcast composed by Jerry Smith. You can follow the podcast on social media at creepyandgeeky on both Twitter and Instagram. If you'd like to follow me, I'm geekthulu on Twitter and geek.thulu on Instagram. You can support the podcast by ordering teas and more on TeePublic or by donating to the Kofi page. All of the links are in the show notes. Finally, don't forget, stay creepy.